0: Welcome to the Cary Church Podcast. For more information regarding Cary Church, visit www.cary.asn.au. Luke, chapter 10, beginning in verse
1: 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said.
0: Good morning. How are you? Going well? Uh, Before we start the sermon this morning, I wanted to uh, do something just uh, slightly different. I wanted to say thank you to somebody. Uh, Yvette, who's uh, uh, leading our worship this morning, uh, about, uh, oh look, I don't know, 10 months ago, uh, I was looking for someone to coordinate our music on a Sunday morning. Uh, other people who had been coordinating had just left. Uh, We had a bit of a gap. And Yvette approached me and she said, can I help? And I said, yes, please. And Yvette's been doing that for quite some time, coordinating our morning uh, music teams. And she's moved it from a place Uh, that that was uh, chaotic because I was trying to handle it. And now it's got two beautiful teams. It's going really well. And I just wanted to acknowledge Yvette. While she is still our worship leader, she stepped out of the coordination role and she's going to hand that to Sarah, our new associate pastor. But I thought this morning, while Yvette's actually worship leading, it would be a great moment for us to just say thank you to Yvette. So could you join with me in just giving her a big hand? Thank you so much, Yvette. It's just been uh, wonderful to have you do that, and I wanted to acknowledge you whilst I knew you were here, so I knew it would be this morning. All right, uh, so we finished a season on Joel, and we're into a new, a new sermon uh, series next week. So this morning is uh, just a one-off, and uh, as I said before, I guess my first question for you is, how are you? A- and when you say that to somebody, often they'll just say, yeah, I'm fine, I'm good, no worries. It's our cultural way of saying, G'day, isn't it? How are you? But this morning I want to ask if I really said to you this morning, How are you? So I'll ask it like this because it's a little bit more. So, how are you? And, and if you're a bit like me or, or sort of the anecdotal responses I've had to that question, at this time of year particularly, it can be a little bit of a, oh, I'm tired. Oh, I'm really busy. Oh, I really need a holiday. Now, I hope some of you might have had a little bit of a holiday because we're in the middle of school holidays, but, but just by nature of the fact that you're here, maybe you're still slogging through. I'm just, I'm tired. I'm busy. Well, this morning, I want to invite you into flourishing. And it's actually not my invitation, but I want us to spend a moment this morning, just, just a short time, recognizing that each of us, each of you here this morning and I, all of us are invited to flourish here and now. And it's actually not my invitation, of course. The invitation comes from Jesus. I'm going to read that in a minute. Sounds awesome. I hope you think that's awesome. And so now's the moment to get out your notebooks, get out your phone and start to be engaged with what God's going to say to us this morning. Here is Jesus' invitation. It comes from John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. We are the they, if that makes sense. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, this is the life that's full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, you you know all the stuff, all of those really great things. This is a life that, where the yoke is easy and the burden is light. It's where we are in Christ and Christ is in us. This is a life of meaning and significance. Does that sound good this morning? I hope it does. It does to me. Because I wonder if we could become, and our vision is to become flourishing communities of hope. I wonder if one day soon, when someone says to you, how are you? You might say, I'm flourishing. I'm doing really well. Now, your circumstances won't have changed. But that's who I'd like to be. That's what I want to step into this morning. How are you? I'm flourishing. Wouldn't it be great to be able to say that with all our hearts? So, we're going to spend 25 minutes or so looking at a few keys to flourishing. Now, this is not a comprehensive list. We'd be here an awful lot longer than 20 or 25 minutes. But I want to share with you a few keys for flourishing. Now, the first one is this. And I don't know if, uh, if I've got this up on the screen. My first one is we need to know that we're invited. We need to know that we are invited to flourish. Someone told me a story recently of a, a group of tourists that went to India And they uh, got on the train, they're going to see the Taj Mahal, you know, that iconic, incredible building in India. And these tourists, they're on the train and they're heading towards the Taj Mahal, the train stopped. It wasn't at a station, it was not a planned stop, the train stopped. And and they started asking the people in the carriage, the locals in the carriage, what's what's going on? And the locals had a quick chat and they investigated, they came back. And they said, oh, well, the, the trains hit and killed somebody. And then the train started going again and the, and the tourists said, but hang on, you, you told us that we've hit and killed, we only stopped for a couple of minutes, that can't be right. In our country, if a train was to hit and kill somebody, it would be stopped for days. I mean, they'd have to investigate everything that's going on. And the look said, oh no, 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 you, you don't understand, it, the, the person that was killed was someone of a very low caste. And, and so, actually, it doesn't really matter because what's probably going to happen for them is they're going to come back at a slightly higher level. So, it's actually quite a good thing that it's happened. We don't worry about that too much. So, the train just keeps going. And the tourists were, were just gobsmacked. I'm gobsmacked. That, that's not what we read in the Scripture, is it? This, this idea that some people are much more important than others... The premise that Jesus works on is that we are all invited. He loves all of us equally. In fact, we're going to read a few verses here where that comes even, becomes even clearer. There is no caste system in the Scripture or in heaven. Because what Helen read to us out of Matthew chapter 5, these are some of Jesus' words out of one of his famous sermons, or he might have given it many times. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit... Now there's a famous theologian called Dallas Willard and and he translates that a bit, the poor in spirit. He says that that means spiritual zeros. This idea that the kind of people that we as humans tend to think they they just really don't have much hope. They have no place before God. People who maybe sometimes think, you know, this Christian life, I, I can't do it, I can't handle it, I'm not good enough. Another guy, Eugene Peterson, he wrote the message translates this verse as referring to people at the end of their rope. Blessed are the poor in spirit, people who aren't really good enough spiritually to, you know, behave well. People who are at the end of their ropes. Jesus' invitation to flourish, blessed, he says, Jesus' invitation to flourish is for you and I, if we feel like that. For ours is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus goes on, he says, blessed are those who mourn. Now, there are seasons in life where we are full of grief. Sometimes they can last a day or a week, maybe a month, maybe a year, maybe longer. And the grief comes from having lost something. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's the loss of a relationship. Maybe it's the loss of a dream. You know, something you thought life was going to be like this. That's how I wanted life to be, and it's, it's not. And we go through seasons of grief. For some, that grief can be incapacitating, and we can just be in that place for a long time. But Jesus' invitation to flourish is for you and for me when we feel like that. He says, for we shall be comforted. Jesus goes on, blessed are the meek. The idea of meek is people who aren't strong or powerful. Perhaps uh, people who don't have all the things together that the world might say, that's what you need. In Australia, we probably call them maybe the battlers or wounded survivors, maybe victims or other words that we might use. Well, Jesus' invitation to flourish is for you if you feel like that. For you shall inherit all the things that the strong and the powerful and the gifted and talented think are theirs, You shall inherit the earth. What we read throughout the Beatitudes, in fact, throughout the Bible, is that Jesus' invitation is to people we might not expect to be invited. He invites each of us, each of you here this morning, to flourish now, in your life, in your circumstances. He invites us into a life of meaning and significance it's available right now. So point number one is know that we're invited and and perhaps you already know that, so we'll move on. Know that you're invited. The second point that I want to make about a key to flourishing is spending time with Jesus and here we start to get into the story of Mary and Martha. Do you relate to that story at all? I do, because here's my experience. It's quite a regular one, unfortunately. I'm a slow learner. We, uh, we invite people over sometimes for, for dinner. Now, not, not a, you know, get a pizza or a bag of chips sort of dinner, but actually where you cook something. And uh, I don't know why, but we tend to pick recipes we've never done before. And uh, they usually use the oven, which doesn't always work with recipes we haven't done before. And, and I started to get a bit stressed and, and things don't go well. And then the people arrive and, and I've still got about three hours of work to do to actually deliver dinner. And it's going to be late. And I go to the front door and it's like, hi, it's so good to see you. Come on in and sit over there. Have you ever had that experience? And I started to think about that and I thought, why, why does that happen? Why do I get? Why do I get stressed? And I realised it's because... I know there's a choice, I've just invited you for dinner and my choice is this, I can either talk to you or I can serve you food that's palatable and not burnt and, and in my heart and in my mind, I really just don't want to look stupid so I'd much prefer to just not talk to you, I'll plonk you in front of the TV or let you talk to the guinea pigs or something and, and I just want to get this dinner right. I don't know if you feel like that, maybe it's just me, maybe I'm, I'm looking just a little bit alone up here but I think Martha relates to this, so let's focus on her. Because Jesus says that Martha is feeling a little bit distracted. She's feeling stressed about what's going on. And I want to give you one other thought for Martha before we start, you know, saying she did the wrong thing. If you've read this passage, just before it, do you know what happened? Just before Martha's getting stressed about having people over for dinner? Well, Jesus is receiving back the 72 disciples. And so I have this question How many people are coming for dinner? We just read about Jesus having the 72 disciples back, and Martha says, Hey, Jesus, Jesus, and your mates, come on over. One, two, three, 69, seven. Oh my goodness, there's like 73 people coming for dinner? I'm not sure. Maybe it was only Jesus and the 12. But you can start to understand when you've got Jesus coming and you've got a lot of people coming, you might be getting a little bit stressed, even if you don't handle dinner parties like I do. And so the exact words Jesus, that, that are used, is that Mary was distracted by all the preparations. And she complains to Jesus that her sister's sitting down. I'm trying to prepare a meal for maybe 73 people or at least a lot, or at least Jesus, who's really important. She's just sitting there. You know this story, and I love what Jesus says. I love the fact that he says her name twice. You see that? Martha, get her attention. Martha. You're worried and upset about many things, but few are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I want to draw two key points out here about flourishing. And the first is the one that's often drawn out. Mary had chosen what was better. She was spending time with Jesus. She was sitting at his feet, listening. And that can be really hard, but it is so important. If we want to flourish, we need to choose to just be. Just to be with Jesus, to be listening, to be in his presence. And it's absolutely critical for us to flourish, very hard in our modern, fast-paced way of life. But that is central. I think you knew that, though. Anyone who's been around knows that Mary and Martha story. You think, yep, that's what Peter's going to draw out of that. I want to draw out something else. I want to I read this in a slightly different way. Because my question, feeling like Martha, is what was Martha supposed to do? Do you read this passage as Jesus saying to Martha, you should have been sitting at my feet too? In which case, don't worry about the food. We're all hungry. We've been walking around Israel for a long time, but we're not hungry. Don't worry about it. We'll just sit and listen to Jesus. Is that what he's saying to Martha? Was that the ideal thing? Is this passage anti-serving? Well, let's look carefully at the words. Jesus' words to Martha are, you are worried and upset about many things. Worried and upset about many things. So, so here's what I see. I, I wonder if Jesus is actually pointing out to Martha that what's going on here is there are circumstances and you're getting stressed about them and viewing them in a certain way that's causing you to not see what's actually going on. Because what Martha's doing is preparing a meal that her sister and probably others are therefore able to be with Jesus. Martha is serving and could have had a mindset of saying, you know what, I know that this is hard, I'm going to be able to sit with Jesus soon, but I'm facilitating something going on here which is really special. She had the privilege of being in a place of enabling, of serving others that they might be blessed. And I see an analogy in my life and perhaps in yours for that. You know, I think we can go through life, if you're a parent, we can go through life with our kids stressed and worried and distracted. It's hard. Circumstances are difficult when you've got little kids, big kids. I'm finding it, you know, it still gets hard just as they grow. And our mindset can be one just like Martha's of saying, oh, it's not going right. I just don't get any time to sit with Jesus. Instead of what I'm doing is this amazing thing that I've been called into to serve and disciple and grow and steward and provide an opportunity for my family in the midst of the chaos and the circumstance. Or how about your job? Uh, perhaps you work in a job or maybe you're studying, but the main thing that you do with your time, and and I wonder if for you it's as significant and as important as you would like it to be. Because I've certainly worked during times where I've been tempted to think, you know, this job, it's not that significant, it's not that important. But what we miss is that that's the job God God has us in right now, in this place, in this time. And we can miss then the opportunity to be serving the people that we come into contact with in that job, whatever that job is. So I want to share with you my thought, that there is a huge significance in serving. A significance in serving other people and the way that we think about what we're actually facilitating for them. Paul says this to the Ephesians in chapter 2, verse 10 of, of his letter to the Ephesians. He says, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ to do good works. we His handiwork, He's made us, and we're actually created to do good works. We're created to serve. I would suggest to you that we flourish when we serve, when we serve others, and let me extend that into serving the church. The church is referred to in the Bible as the body of Christ. It's Christ's bride. Also in Ephesians, Paul says that Jesus gave his life for the church. And this church, not just Kerry, but the church universals is tasked with this amazing thing of sharing God's love. Of reaching out to people and sharing who God is and the reconciliation that he wants for the world serving in that church. In fact, serving in this church, Carrie has enormous possibilities. There are people serving over in the other building. They are growing people, young people who are coming to know more and more. And perhaps this morning is a crucial and pivotal moment for one child over there. And those people are serving and they are helping somebody come to a new relationship with the King of the universe. Isn't that amazing? And when you put it like that, don't you think, I I want to be part of that. There are so many other ministries that we have here at church. Ministries called Mops, where people from the community come in and they get to just soak for a couple of hours. Ministries in Banksia Hill Detention Centre. So many different ministries. Or perhaps you're someone who served here this morning. Perhaps you were, and I can't remember who was on the door this morning, or your mel on AV or Dave on sound or one of our musicians. Do you know what you're doing when you serve on a Sunday morning? It's kind of what Martha was doing. You are providing a place. You are part of providing a place serving others where they can step in, where we can step in, where you even when you're serving can step in to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Wow. We serve We flourish when we serve. So I want to urge you, and I'm not usually this directive, but as your pastor, I want to urge you to step into serving, to step into the mindset of serving where you have been placed, to step into serving at church, because it will be good for others. But it will also help you flourish. And when you serve as part of the community of God, it helps that community flourish. Okay, so maybe that sounds great, but perhaps you're sitting there thinking, yep, you know what, that's really excellent, but I don't have a lot of time. And that's fair. You might also be thinking, Peter, you you just don't understand my life. My life is so full and so busy. And that is probably true. I I don't understand how busy your life is. But I wanted to share with you a little bit of research that I've done. Um, and, And it was into... I think I've got a graph here, first graph here. It's a research into the number of hours in a day for really, really busy people. I think it's 24. And I did a bit more research. I kept going. And I did a bit of work on the number of hours a day for people who flourish. Bet you can't guess. 24. All right, so fair enough. I know, not even funny. On the level of dad jokes, my kids tell me, you know, I'm hopeless. But here's the thing. If you're feeling a little bit sort of frustrated, annoyed, and you think, that is so stupid, I wonder if the Holy Spirit is poking you this morning. Because I think that when you look at something like that, and you go, that's sort of irrelevant and stupid and frustrating, it's probably because there is truth and relevance to these graphs. Don't discount them too quickly. The point that I want to make is that we get to choose how we use those hours. Let's listen to how Jesus addressed Martha again. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few are needed, or indeed only one. And here's the bit I want to draw out this, at this moment. Mary has chosen what is better. Mary has chosen what is better. See, Mary had a choice about what to do with her time, and so do we. Now, I look at time in blocks. I'm going to call them big blocks and little blocks. Big blocks of our time are things like uh, the sort of thing you do most of your day. So it might be uh, that you are studying, or maybe you've got a job, or maybe you're a parent, or, or perhaps you're unwell, or, or in some phase where just, you know, life, there's a, there's a whole big block there that's related to your health. And those big blocks, they're hard to move, aren't they? They, they are things that you don't change that often and they take a lot of time and they're hard to move. So if I wanted to change jobs, and I, I don't, I don't think my boss is here, but uh, the chairman of the board is, so I don't, don't want to change my job, I'm using this as an example, Brian. Um, if I wanted to change my job, it's not something I could do like that. I can't just walk off the stage and I've changed my job. You you've got to go through a whole process. You've got to give some notice, step out of that job, uh, go to an interview for a new one, don't get that one, go to the next interview, don't get the go to... You know, eventually maybe you get a job. It's a long process. That's big blocks, big chunks of time, long process. Then there are the little blocks, and the little blocks are things like playing sport or uh, watching TV or spending time on Facebook. You know, these little things that you can change when you like. Uh, If I go home tonight and I uh, want to watch something with Helen, we can decide, yes, we watch it, or no, we do something else. That's much easier to move and change. Now, I've just mentioned Brian. Brian writes a fantastic blog, Uh, It's called brianharrisauthor.com.au. Anyway, look up Brian Harris' blog and you'll find it. And he's recently written one, and I wanted to give you a couple of quotes because he's he's done some work on this idea of time. Let me share with you a couple of his quotes. Now, uh, unlike my 24-hour things, these are properly academically researched. A 70-hour-plus work week has been the norm for most of human history. 70-hour plus the norm. Today, with more like 45, Brian's article says this, we have more than five times the amount of leisure time as our ancestors. Now, when we say ancestors, I think we're talking about even the 1800s. Five times more leisure hours. Well, what do we do with that? And Brian's article says, I'm glad you asked. He, he says this, many people are spending over four hours per day on TV, Facebook, and online games. Now, we read in w- with Mary and Martha the idea that we need, need to make a conscious choice. Martha wasn't told her choice was bad. It was that Mary's was better. And so the point I want to make this morning is perhaps you and I are people who are spending four hours a day on TV and Facebook and that sort of stuff. Any of those things are not necessarily bad choices. Social media is a fantastic way to stay in touch with people. Sometimes it's great to relax with a bit of TV. But we need to choose consciously and wisely because Jesus tells us there are good choices and there are choices that were not as good. I want to give you one little practical tip on this uh, social media space because I'm not very good at this stuff, so maybe you all know this uh, already. But did you know on your phone there's this thing called screen time? And you can actually go at that and look how much time am I actually spending in a day or a week on different apps? It's quite fascinating. Or if you're on Facebook, you can go into uh, settings and privacy and there's a bit that's called uh, your time on Facebook. I see some of you nodding and smiling sort of slightly guiltily. Yes, you can actually see how many hours you spend on Facebook. Is it a bad thing to spend time? No, of course it's not. But we need to choose consciously and wisely. And the question I want you to think about is, is the time I'm spending on the things that I'm doing helping me to flourish? Is the time I'm spending being spent wisely because it's helping me to flourish? Or is actually there some flexibility there where I could step into something else? It's critical to understand that if we want to flourish. Let me move on to my fifth point. And my fifth point this morning is one of the things that will help us flourish is when we step into community. And more than that, when we commit to community. God's eternally existed as Father, Son and Holy Spirit in community. When God saw Adam, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. Jesus intimately lived with his 12 disciples. The church is called one body with many parts. There are so many references in scripture to living in community and the importance of it. And it's when we do that, that we will flourish. In 1 Thessalonians 5.11, it says, encourage one another and build each other up. When you're in community, that can happen. We can give, we can do the encouraging, or when we're struggling, we can be encouraged. And so I want to urge you again, I I guess this is a bit of a sermon where I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit stronger in making suggestions to you. I want to ask you, suggest to you that you commit to this community. And when I say this, I mean a community of the church of God doesn't have to be Kerry, but you'll happen to be here, so this is a good place to commit to. Now, why do I ask that? I ask that because, yes, it's going to be good for you. I ask that because it will be good for us. I ask that because I think that's when we will flourish, when we step in and we say, I'm going to commit to being at church every week because then I can be part of a community and build those relationships This is number one priority for me, that I'm going to be part of this community so that I and others that I'm serving can learn more about God. I just want to urge you to consider that and how important it is for you. Our vision is to be flourishing communities of hope, transformed by God's love, following Jesus and serving in God's world. We're all invited into that. So let me quickly recap this morning. We've looked at five keys to living a flourishing life. We've seen that we're all invited. That we need to spend time with Jesus. That we flourish when we serve. We need to use our time wisely. And that we'll flourish as we step into community because that's what we are designed to live in. Now, they are not comprehensive. There's a whole lot more, as I said at the front, that we would need to talk about to understand the full picture of flourishing, but I think they are some keys. They're also not uh, golden rules to a perfect life. Life can be challenging. But I am pretty sure, and I've prayed about this a lot this week, that the Holy Spirit is talking to each of us this morning and it'll be different for each of us. So I'm going to close in prayer and I'm going to close in a prayer that asks the Holy Spirit to prompt you what is it that's going to help you flourish and step into the invitation that Jesus offered because he wants you to have life and life to the full. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we want to flourish. We want to flourish in our own lives and as a community. We want to live as you created us to live. Thank you for your word this morning that we've been able to see a number of elements of how to flourish in it. I pray specifically for each person here this morning, myself included, Father. Would you help us take away the thing that we need to know this morning to help us move to being a community and as individuals to a place where when somebody says, how are you? We can say, I am flourishing. I know Jesus. I know that Jesus loves me. And I'm living life to the full that he came to give. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the invitation. And we thank you that that stands for us, no matter what our circumstances this morning. We love you. Amen.